This is Dr. Robert Frankel. I'm an emergency medicine and anti-aging physician, and welcome to the Modern Man Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about important topics for men, which include male aesthetics, health, and wellness. But most importantly, we try to remove the stigma of male aesthetics because I think that it's important to understand what men can do for aesthetics and how important it is to for their social and psychological well-being and ultimately just to feel and look good. So take the journey with me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fun. So enjoy it. I think the next episode will be really interesting and informative. So take a listen. Hope you enjoy it. Again, this is Dr. Rob Frankel. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about medical skin treatments for men. This is a pretty important topic, and I talked to a bunch of my male patients, and we discussed, like, what are the most important things that we worry about as men? as far as what things bother you. And so I picked out five different problems that occur, and I'm going to list them out. And then we're going to talk about these problems. We're going to talk a little bit about skin. We're going to talk about why things work and why things don't work. We're going to talk about the medical, medical approach to skin care. Because it's, it is different than things that you're going to pick up at the pharmacy, things that you're going to see on TV, things you're going to see on, on uh, the infomercials late at night because of the fact that to create true change, a lot of times you have to work on the permanent area of skin. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So... The five things that in skin that most um, patients uh, were worried about were one was scarring and acne scarring. And so this is, you know, years later, uh, you, you could still have, you know, scarring or acne scarring, uh, pore size. Um, and this happens later in life. You notice that you're pore has become enlarged, um, texture of your skin. And this is, creates fine lines and even wrinkles, um, which is also, you know, with age. And we're going to talk a little bit about the different cells and collagen that change, um, that cause this, the tone of the skin, which means that, so as we get older, the tone of the skin is very important because you start to feel that the skin might sag, you might not be as fit, you know, in on your face, just like as we as we see um as we go to the gym, we notice that we're not kind of that we're not having that six pack if we ever did have that six pack. Um in our midsection, but we're we're not having that tautness around our jawline, um, around our cheeks, around our eyes, 
Um, and so all those things occur. And the reason why they occur is a couple of reasons. The first thing is that you can develop collagen damage. Now, collagen, I'm going to talk a little bit about, and we're not going to go, you know, deep into a um, skin lecture here because that will take hours. Um, but I'm going to go through some of the kind of important things to understand. Um, but we'll discuss it. So you can just from, you know, environmental issues, sun, um, if you, you know, smoked in the past, um, even excess, you know, taking sugar in, caffeine, um, these, all these things can increase your risk of having collagen damage. And also elastin, which is another cell, and elastin actually um, creates the, just like what it says, the elasticity of the skin. So, the ability for your skin to kind of snap back um, is really important as well because this gives you the ability, the, your skin, the ability to have that kind of um, tautness that we start to lose over time. And so, so the tone of your skin also is 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 important to a lot of patients. And pigment. Now, pigment means that. You can over time develop uneven pigment in your skin. So, regardless of what your skin tone is, um, you can have often hyperpigmentation, um, changes in pigments, browns and reds, meaning like you can develop, you know, brown spots, uh, darker uh, spots where you have hypermelanin. Um, regardless of your skin tone, um, you can develop extra melanin in you know specific areas, and so it creates an unevenness in your skin, and th this of course is is going to create uh, you know something that is not what you know not what patients want, and so there are ways to improve this as well, as well as you know broken blood vessels. <clears throat> which you can see as reds or, um, you know, sun damage is another um, another problem that happens over time. So these these issues are all are all kind of the major kind of five problems that I'm going to target when we talk about skincare for men, um, and of course they transcend to women as well, but. We're going to focus on guys because this is the Modern Man podcast. So, um, and a lot of times, guys are going to be less diligent about what they do with their skin. Um, you know, I've had ta have had discussions with some of my patients, and um, they've they've told me that uh, ivory soap does really well for them, and so um, so we'll discuss. We'll discuss. We'll we'll go through it. We'll get we'll get you where you need to be. So, so why are the things that you see on late night TV or at the pharmacy not the best things or not are wasteful? Um, as far as like I I saw this on TV. I saw this advertising. They said it's great. It's going to get rid of all my lines, and it's not. And so why does that happen? Mm. <clears throat> so 
we're going to go through kind of like some of the basics of skin. And it's important to kind of understand because if you understand it, then you'll understand why a lot of the things that you might do might not actually work. So skin has, you know, three kind of important layers um, that we're going to kind of discuss. Um, the first is the outer layer, and it's called the epidermis. It's the outermost layer. Um, so the epidermis sheds usually um, um, every 28 days. Now, the fact is, actually, as we get older, it can take longer for it to shed. Now, as we're much younger, it actually sheds sooner. It could shed up to 14 days. But um, for some patients over 50, it could take up to 80 days for the epidermis to shed. So that's why when we talk about things called peels, they are they are useful because of the fact to get rid of that um, outer layer of skin, some of that, some of that, um, dead skin and, you know, that outer layer was, is useful. But the reason is, is that the epidermis, like when you use a lot of the lotions and potions that you see on TV or at the pharmacy, those, those, um, materials that you're putting on your skin are being placed on the epidermis and they're being sloughed off you know, over that period of time, <clears throat> meaning that they're not making permanent change on your skin because whatever you're putting on the surface of your skin at some point eventually is going to be, um, is, go uh, is going to eventually be um, sloughed off. Now, if you're doing it every day, then you can develop change. You know, you're going to see changes um, because there is melanin in your um, epidermis. So things like retin-A and uh, tretinoin, which we'll discuss, we'll discuss a little bit here. I mean, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is kind of a, more of a general idea of skin. I'm going to go, you know, over the length of these podcasts into specific issues. And we're going to kind of focus in on you know, more kind of uh, specific ways that you can fix problems because I realized that, like, you can I could sit here for three, four hours, and I don't know if anybody's going to want to listen to me for that long. So instead, we're going to break it up into more kind of a general, uh, more general kind of approach to um, just looking at skin today. So... So the epidermis, the size of the epidermis is 1.5 to 2 millimeters. Now, why is that important? The reason why that's important is that when you when you have you could buy things online that say that they um, pierce the skin that are less than two millimeters, and that is you know that is kind of the kind of the FDA approved, um, um, you know, purchasing. Then anything below that is only going to be in the epidermis. So that means that 
you're not going to get into the second layer of the skin, which is what we call the dermis. Now, the dermis is a more permanent um, part of the tissue. Now, so the reason why, like, we have tattoos that never go away, because the fact is that when they put the ink into the skin, they're putting it into the deeper layer, the dermis. So every time that the, you know, the, the epidermis is sloughed off, it doesn't affect the ink that's already in the dermis or scarring that's in the dermis. So the scars stay there, you know, because of the fact that it's in the deeper layer. And so this is really important. So if you want to affect change, you have to get into the dermal layer of the skin. And so this is the reason, this is the whole kind, this is the whole idea behind medical skin care and skin, skin treatments. And, I explain this to my patients all the time that most of the treatments that we do have the same philosophy, and I'll explain it to you, that you have to get into the deep layer of the skin to be able to actually affect permanent change. If you don't, you're not going to be able to affect this type of change. And the third layer of the skin is is deeper, and that's the subcutaneous tissue, and that's deeper than the dermis, and this has the connective tissue and the fat layer, and this is the is this layer is deeper than the dermis, um, and so you know a lot of times when people are um, you know gaining weight, you know then they'll see the in their skin there's more sag and that's because you know in that that area they create what's called fat pads and they'll see that they're creating these um they're creating this the skin to become um more um enlarged because of the because of the subcutaneous tissue behind it so so that is that is the you know, first kind of understanding that, you know, using many of the surface materials that we have don't really do much permanently unless you do it every single day and you're kind of focused on what you're trying to achieve. Um, the epidermis is going to eventually going to be sloughed off. So to create permanent change, you need to actually get to the point where the the epidermis the epidermis is left off but the dermis is affected so you need to get into the dermis which is at least we we say at least three millimeters into the skin is where the dermis lies and that's that's where we have to pierce the skin to be able to get to so the next idea is collagen so what is collagen? So collagen, elastin, these are the cells that are created. And collagen is kind of the, the structure, creates the structure of the skin. It's kind of the scaffold of the skin. And so as we get older, the amount of collagen that we produce decreases. Now, elastin is also cells that are produced and this creates the elasticity of this the skin remember like the snapback like the rubber band um, cells of our skin and so as these cells decrease the skin becomes drier less elastic thinner and so these create the 
lines, the the wrinkles, the um, you know the fine lines, and and just the the less um, you know attractive you know areas of the skin that we that we want to improve. What why does collagen decrease? You know, there's there's different reasons why collagen can decrease at a more rapid rate, and obviously environmental factors, smoking, UV light, um, lack of sleep, um, excessive sugar, all these things can increase the 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 um, rapid decline of collagen production, and so. Any of these things that you do are going to um, cause less collagen to be produced, and so that's the first idea. So we'll, I'll talk about a couple of natural things you could do to to um, to improve this for sure. Um, and so, so college. So when we so when we want to increase our collagen, why do we want to increase our collagen? Because if we increase our collagen, then we're able to increase the ability for our skin to be more um, elastic. You you're able to see, you know, the lines improve, the scarring improve. You know, so you're able to see repair of the skin, and so this is why we want to try to improve and increase the production of collagen. So how do we do that? So the best way that we found in medical terms to actually increase the production of collagen is to cause a wound within the deep layer of the skin or the dermis. And so what does this mean? So when you cut your skin, for instance, um, let's say that you um, damage the skin by, um, you know, you, you cut on a piece of glass, all of a sudden, you'll see um, a, a day a, a day goes by, and you'll start seeing all this kind of scarring occur. And so, these cells um, are collagen cells, elastin cells. These are the wound healing cells. These are the cells actually we want. The problem is, is that these cells are on are of being affected on a you know single area of the skin that is often irregular and so it doesn't look attractive so you would think like why would I want to you know wound my skin cause a wound response on my skin well the point is is that you want a deep wound first of all and you want a uniform wound second of all so both of these things are going to create a wound response that doesn't look abnormal does, does not look um jagged or you know or or cause um an abnormal response but instead you're going to be producing these collagen elastin these cells that we want to produce and so um that's where we want to that's where we want to approach so everything that we do in the medical field when it comes to skin is the idea of producing more collagen, producing more elastin, and producing it in a way that's going to create more permanent change. So the idea really is create a wound that's uniform, that's going to be in the permanent layer of the skin, 
And so if we can do that, then we can create more collagen. And there's so many different ways that we can do this. And I'm going to go over some of them. Now, there's lots of different ways that we do this, actually. Um, I'm not going to go through every one of them. I'm going to go over cer certain things that I, I'm going to go over certain things that kind of lay out um, from the original outline of the things that we focused on, the five problems that we looked at. Um, so, first of all, if you want to do some natural things to, to get started, um, to make sure that you can increase your collagen, you can certainly um, increase your sleep. Um, vitamin C is very helpful because vitamin C does help the production of collagen decrease your sun exposure and that could be by simply you know putting sunblock on because you you don't want to damage your collagen you know any of the collagen that's that's present as, as it is obviously smoking and you can do things like increase your protein intake um you know there are you know collagen supplements bone broth these things are helpful they're going to give you know, some improvement, again, there's only going to be so much improvement that you're going to get. I mean, I have a lot of patients who come to me and, and tell me that they have taken um, these collagen drinks and they take it every day and they don't, not sure that they're getting much results. And look, there's going, to, you're going, to, you you on some cellular level there probably is some benefit to it um but i mean the reality is is that you're going to have you know just so much change because of the fact that your ultimate goal is to create the collagen in specific areas that you're trying to improve and so we're talking about you know in the face specifically since we're since we're working since we're talking about the phase i mean there are the areas we could talk about too but that's that's why you want the wound response to occur there so so the first medical treatment that i'm going to discuss is something called microneedling so microneedling is something that we use um very often it's very small needles that usually you could use it. We use it on a pen. Some some places um, you could use on a roller. Um, they used to actually do these tiny little needles. Either way, what the microneedling does is that that creates an organized injury to the dermal layer. You know the the microneedling needles will go deep enough into the skin to cause this organized injury into the dermis. So that's causing the wound response. Now, what you're putting on the on the microneedling uh, on the skin does help because of the fact that often we'll put something like hyaluronic acid. You could put vitamin C. Um, we're going to talk about platelet-rich plasma, or PRP, in another podcast because I 
I was originally going to um, add that to this podcast, but I think it's such a, a interesting and important topic. I'm going to leave it for its own podcast. So, but platelet rich plasma, which is, um, you know, spinning down your platelets to the, to their, um, to their own platelets and as growth factors and even, you know, evidence of stem cells that are, are present in those, um, those platelet, those, those platelets that are added to the skin, which creates amazing results. Um, and the reason is, is that when you're adding these, these, um, products to the collagen, it's not only causing the collagen response, but it's also helping to repair any of the collagen damage that occurred. So platelet-rich plasma has the added benefit with microneedling to actually not only increase the wound response to produce new collagen, produce new elastin, but it also helps to repair old collagen cells that were damaged. And so when the body starts to, you know, regenerate, it creates, you know, these new, new cells that are, you know, are incredible. So, um, so that's one, so that's one, uh, uh, that's one technique that we use, um, which is really helpful, you know, for the skin. So microneedling in general. Now microneedling, another procedure that we use, um, which helps is microneedling with radio frequency. It's a newer technique. It's has been around for oh five, six years or so. But I mean, the nice thing about this technique is actually the, the combination um, of radio frequency, which is radio frequency is basically increasing the heat of the tissue and so what that does is that will affect the subcutaneous tissue and when that happens that create that helps the heats up that subcutaneous tissue and that will decrease the skin laxity in that area and so what what that does is that not only that only helps the texture and texture of the skin but also that's going to create an improvement in the tone of the skin right away because it's actually lifting because you're you're helping the sagginess of the skin because of the fact that you are getting into the even deeper layer of the skin which is the subcutaneous tissue so microneedling with radio frequency gives the benefit of having patients receive the wound response of microneedling on top of the subcutaneous tissue um, being affected by the radio frequency by being heated up and actually decreasing the skin laxity and actually tightening tightening the skin at the same time, which is an incredible thing. Now different type of lasers 
the two types of lasers that you know are often talked about are ablative and non-ablative lasers. So ablative means that ablate any type of ablative laser technology. So this is heating the skin, also creating a wound response. So this is creating with lasers intense heat, creating this wound response. Where microneedling is creating the wound response by you know the small needles that actually cause the damage to the dermis. The lasers create the damage with heat. And so the ablative technology actually literally will um, remove the entire layer of the um, the epidermis essentially. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so you're getting rid of the entire layer of the, the skin and that's essentially causing the wound response into the dermal layer and so you're getting so you're getting rid of a lot of the imperfections in the epidermis you know which you do get you know it does give you a nice response in that in that vein plus you're getting the permanent change by causing the um, wound response in the dermal layer non-ablative lasers also create a wound response by creating large amounts of heat but they don't completely remove the um, epidermal layer of the skin at that at the time of the treatment. I mean, the major difference as far as benefits, you know, for this treatment is that ablative type of lasers, you definitely have a downtime, meaning like you're going to have to um, not be able to leave your house for a few days to maybe a week, depending upon how significant the the laser is. Where non-ablative lasers, you probably still will have downtime, but it will be less. And so we talk a lot about, you know, with treatments, like what downtime is. With microneedling, the downtime is usually 24 hours, maybe 48, depending upon the sensitivity of your skin. Um, and so, you know, that is one of the things that, you know, people don't have the time for time for downtime. And so we kind of, we feel that, that gearing your treatments to the, the, your ability to downtime is, is really important. Now, another technique is um, what we call interdermal infusion. So interdermal infusion is we, we use very small needles, very similar to microneedling, but um, these needles have, are hollow, and so you're able to infuse different products in. <clears throat> so things like um, neurotoxin, things like vitamin C can all be placed into the, um, the bottles that go that, that are attached to these um, interdermal um, infusion um, uh, mechanisms. And so what, what is nice about these are that they do create a wound response. Interdermal infusion, if you heard of, ever heard of something called aqua gold, this is, this is kind of the kind of brand name of it. You know, I try not to kind of pr promote the, you know, Q-tip of the, of the um, you know, the, uh, the procedures because 
that's what they are. But I mean, meaning like Botox is, you know, Botox is like the Q-tip of, of uh, neurotoxin because of the fact that it is just the brand name of a company of their brand because there's all different types of neurotoxins. But so AquaGold is kind of the commonly known intradermal infusion technique. And so what, what it does is that you can place, because the, the needles are hollow, you could put vitamin C, you could put neurotoxin into these areas. And so the great thing about this is that it actually creates, for pore size, it's, it's very effective to improve, as well as you can get deep enough into the skin that it, it will create a wound response, affect the texture, tone, the fine lines, wrinkles. Um, so intradermal infusion is another excellent technique that is going to improve um, the skin, but also the, the nice thing about it is that it it does give you the benefit of improving pore size. And so that's another thing that we look at. Now, as far as pigment, one of the... One of the things that we uh, go to um, is something called IPL. Um, so IPL is not a laser. It's, in t it's what we call intense pulse light. Intense pulse light essentially creates wavelengths. It's, a high out it's basically a high output flashlight, uh, flash lamp, I should say. Um, and so what happens is, is that it creates these high heat energies that's created at certain wavelengths and so at certain wavelengths depending upon the pigment those pigments will be picked up by these uh, wavelengths and so those wavelengths so those pigments will be damaged by those that heat wavelength where the the non-pigmented cells won't be affected at all so it's it's a pretty it's a pretty effective tool because of the fact that you want to you want to help improve things like brown spots for instance if you had like a sunspot if you had a red spot you know from you know um you know s some um you know damage to a blood vessel or um any type of other condition where you're developing excessive hyperpigmentation in, you know, specific reds and browns. And I'm not going to go through all the different conditions because there are a lot of them. Um, but what you're kind of looking at is they effectively change the, um, they effectively work on these cells and get into the deep layer of the skin. And so that creates the damage to those pigmented cells. And those pigmented cells, once they're damaged, then they eventually will be sloughed off. And so the IPL is excellent for hyperpigmentation. And depending upon, and there's some, there's another device called BBL, which has also different types of wavelengths. So your um, your pigment, depending upon what the problem is and what the pigment is, your 
your the device is going to you know best kind of suit what you know you're trying to achieve so so intense pulse light is is really the best kind of procedure for that um, also peels peels are different depth um, peels what they do are usually chemical um, in nature and again what you're doing is you're getting into kind of the the you know a, the most um, superficial layer of the skin and you're creating the change and it also affects you know in the superficial layer it also is going to affect the melanin and some of the pigmentation as well so peels depending upon the depth of the peel there's there could be downtime um, all peels are a little bit different there are superficial peels there there are deeper peels I think I'll go a little bit deeper into you know peels because it's a little bit um, of a broad topic at, a, at, a, at a, another podcast um, but um, they're another way to help hyperpigmentation and kind of clarity of skin and um, and that's another kind of approach to it. And another thing I'm going to just briefly discuss is uh, IV hydration when it comes to when it comes to skin as well. Um, vitamin C is really important for the clarity of your skin. It's an antioxidant. It also helps produce collagen. And so the best way to always get nutrients into your body is through IV hydration because it's going directly, it's surpassing your gut. So a lot of our patients will do IV hydration for the skin. <clears throat> the other procedure, the other, um, the other amino acid that we use is glutathione. The glutathione is the strongest antioxidant in the entire body. You cannot get it orally. You, anything that you take that says glutathione orally will be um, destroyed in your GI tract. So don't waste your money. You can only take really glutathione. The studies only really show that glutathione is effective either IV or nebulized, meaning like inhaled. You, there's no studies that even show that you can take it intramuscular, that it's effective. So glutathione does two things. Besides for the fact that it is the strongest antioxidant there is, it also suppresses melanin. And so for patients that have hyperpigmentation issues, the glutathione actually is going to help suppress melanin in general. And so those areas that are most hyperpigmented are going to be affected the most because of the fact that that's where the most melanin is is um, you know affected, and so that being said, that you know taking IV glutathione actually does help um, suppress you know the hyperpigmentation. So that's another approach um, that some of our patients have have gone to as well. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. No pun intended, talking about skin. Um, but in reality is is that um, 
you know, this is a very long topic, and I really kind of, uh, you know, pared it down to kind of the basics. Um, you know, things like I said, I, I'm going to kind of just break down just the the um, bullet points, and um, I'm going to go kind of in-depth into a lot of these issues into future podcasts so we can kind of discuss further. Um, so acne scarring, um, you, you want to think about um, things like peels is an excellent choice for acne scarring <coughs> and microneedling. Uh, pore size, um, dermal infusion is an excellent, excellent choice. And either ablative or uh, non-ablative lasers. Um, for texture tone, um, microneedling, microneedling with PRP, um, interdermal effusion. Um, these are really kind of the the top, you know, as far as as far as I'm concerned, you know, getting these these areas improved, um, and then pigment for sure, IPL. Um, and then, like we talked about, um, we, you can go to things like IV therapy. You can go to um, peels as well. Tone. Tone goes into a lot of different things. <clears throat> I didn't talk about, you know, even um, you can you can do, like I said, uh, microneedling with radio frequency is an excellent choice. Um there's ultrasound technology. There's other things out there. Um, tone also, we'll talk a lot about tone when we get to the ideas of fillers. And you can you can do tone with um, with skincare, but you can also use dermal fillers as your as your uh, go-to to improve tone because sometimes that's the best way to improve tone. Um, and with dermal fillers, which we're going to talk a lot about in the, in the next um, coming podcast, I'm going to discuss how we do that. Um, so we will get into all of that. But I think this was pretty productive um, podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it was a lot of information. Um, and, um, I'm going to, like I said, try to kind of break down some of the other topics. And if you have, you know, questions and, um, if you have other things that you want to have discussed, just leave a comment below. Um, I will discuss them. Um, and we'll get deeper into it because I, I plan on discussing the ideas a little bit deeper. So, um, so this was great, and uh, I appreciate the time, and um, we will see you the next time on the Modern Man Podcast. Thank you again. This is Dr. Robert Frankel. So today we're going to be talking about the jaw and how 
the jawline creates balance in our face and how important it is. In my opinion, the jawline actually is the center of gravity of the entire face. And what do I mean by that? So when you look at, as we age, certain things become apparent. The one thing that a lot of people look at, they see that under their chin and around their neck area, they'll see things like th that they recognize as kind of sagginess in the neck, which they call like a double chin or a bull neck or even um, a turkey neck. They'll see something around the jaw, which they call the jowls, which I'll talk a little bit more about. And then around the mouth, there's also lines that are created from a, a weak jawline. So jawlines do project strength, especially in men, and it, it does affect our youthfulness. So I'm going to do a little exercise kind of later in the podcast with you so we can kind of discuss this a little bit further. But it is really important to kind of think about the fact that when you look at your jaw and the jawline, and how it looks today compared to how it did maybe, you know, years ago, you could see that around the jaw, above and below, it looks, it may look very different. And a lot of the things that have changed have, have created that difference. And a lot of the things that bother you, possibly, like I said, around the neck, around the mouth, things that we feel that age us, or even... They feel that, that we carry weight in certain areas of our face are because of the fact that our jawline has become weaker and not as kind of defined. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, like, how do we define our jawline? Like, how do we get that strength back? And there are different ways that we can do it. I'm going to talk and discuss the different methods in medical aesthetics um, that you can achieve this. So the, the first thing is that we look at, <clears throat> again, the strength of the face and the strength of the face, you know, starts with the jawline. Now I go back to um, when I was in college, we used to play this video game and this will age me a little bit. Um, it was a Mike Tyson game if any of you guys remember this, that the first boxer was this guy named Glass Joe, and he used to have a glass jaw. Thus, the weakness of the jaw was the kind of prominent feature of this weak, um, weak boxer. That being said, um, Mike Tyson, who I actually did meet once um, when I was in upstate New York in college definitely did not have a weak jaw. He had a very high soprano voice, but definitely not a weak jaw. That being said, um, he, um, you want to look at kind of above and below the jawline. And that's how a lot of people kind of focus their attention because they don't really think about like, well, how, so what is my problem? It's my neck, it's around above that area, around my mouth, around my chin. 
these are the things that we look at and kind of seem to think that these are the biggest problems. But I'm here to tell you that actually, if you improve your jawline and strengthen it, a lot of those problems will improve. So let's talk about the things that we commonly think of when we talk about fixing the area around the jawline. So you can do things that will improve the neck area, which will lift the neck. Um, one of the things that we talked about in the last podcast was radio frequency. Radio frequency with microneedling um, is even better because of the fact that you're actually increasing the texture tone um, of the of the skin. Now, of course, remember that when we talk about the um, texture and tone, you need to get into the deep layers of the skin to improve and to tighten. So radio frequency improves this by getting into the subcutaneous tissue where there's fat and connective tissue. And so that is going to cause the ability for the tightening of the um, the, the subcutaneous tissue, which creates the lift. <clears throat> the microneedling, which um, is going to work in the dermal layer, that's going to create the organized injury that we talked about in podcast number two. Um, that creates the improvement of the collagen and elastin. So the elastin really does help to make the skin a little more elastic, uh, more elastic. And this is important because we're going to talk about a couple of procedures and I, and I've had some patients that have had certain things done that didn't work out for them. And they came to see me and I'm going to tell you why it didn't work out because you have to realize that when certain things are fixed, certain other problems can be caused. So we need to kind of make sure that when we're improving one thing, we're not causing another problem somewhere else. So radio frequency and microneedling is an excellent choice because of the fact that what it does is it actually helps the neck area improve because you're lifting that region, but it's also creating the texture and tone and elasticity of the skin that you're going to need when you're tightening the area under the under the the neck and under the jawline essentially. So you're not actually improving the jawline per se, but it is more, it is creating a more defined jawline in a way because of the fact that you're not seeing that kind of weakness under the jawline anymore because of the fact that the um, skin is tighter around that. So that's one one idea. Now, another, um, another procedure that a lot of people do, and I'm going to talk a little bit about, and for some people it works great, um, is deoxycholic acid. Um, so deoxycholic acid essentially is um, a, essentially a bile salt. It's, it's something that dissolves fat. And so for patients who have like a large area of fat underneath their neck, this is, you know, possibly a great option for them. Now, what I'm going to tell you about this is that, you know, this is 
um, a procedure where you're going to inject the area where the fat is. It's going to cause, you know, a dissolving of the fat. Now, with that, there's definitely some downtime because the area is going to swell. It's become it becomes painful because of the fact that you're essentially have an enzymatic reaction where you're breaking down this fat underneath the skin. For some people, this is a great a great option, and I'm not going to mention the specific um, products. The one that's FDA approved, I guess, is Kybella, <clears throat> but there is there's other people have used um, mesotherapy. Um, that's been out there for years, um, but Kybella is the one uh, product that's been FDA approved. The one issue with this, and you have to kind of think about it, is that when you dissolve the fat, then it's not going to affect the skin around it. And for some people, that is going to become an issue because of the fact that if the fat is dissolved, then you're going to lose that fat. It's going to become smaller, but the skin around it is not going to be affected by dissolving that fat. And so what happens for some patients, and I'm not saying this is for all, and this is why it's so important for you to talk to your practitioner and make sure that whatever you're doing is right for you because of the fact that there are so many patients that I've spoke to that come in and say, well, I saw this on an ad. I read about this. This is what I want. And I'll sit down with them and I'm, and I will have to talk them down from the ledge <laughs> and tell them this is why this is not right for you because this is what's going to be the end result. And so I'm not saying that the, the, um, um, Kybella is not a good good procedure. But what I'm saying is it's not right for everybody because of the fact that once you dissolve that fat, if that's not the major issue that's caused there, then it's going to be, become an issue with as far as the skin's become lax. Similar to if you have, if you have uh, liposuction. Think about it in that vein. If you take the fat away, then the skin becomes, um, the skin is going to be sitting there without that fat that was, that was stretched out, and you're going to have the same kind of issue. And unless you do a second procedure, then you're going to end up having that weak skin. And I've had some patients who have come to me that have had just that problem, and I could tell you that that procedure was the absolute, and I told them this afterwards, when they came to me afterwards, when they had it done by, you know, another, another practitioner, that the, it probably was the wrong procedure for you because now you have a, a much bigger problem because now the skin is weak. You have, you don't have that um, platform anymore and now it's going to be harder to strengthen that skin around it. So, you know, it's important to to understand that. In the same vein, cool sculpting is another procedure. If you have fat underneath the jaw on the neck, this is 
you know, potentially another good procedure. You can do cool sculpting in the neck area. And what that does is that cool sculpting is, it's a cool, it's a cool technology. It's cool science. And I'm always, I'm always a fan of like really cool science. What cool sculpting does is they figured out a way to freeze fat cells to the point where you kill the fat cells without damaging normal cells. And, um, you know, the original kind of story that they, they tell about how they figured this out was that, you know, kids that, um, were eating a lot of popsicles would get dimples on their chin and, and, and apparently the kids were eating these popsicles. They were killing their fat cells right on their chin. They created these dimples and they realized that there's a, there's a certain temperature at which you can kill fat without damaging regular cells. And so that's the whole concept behind cool sculpting. And again, it's a similar type of idea as Kybella that you're targeting just the fat underneath the skin. Again, there's not any real tightening that occurs with cool sculpting. Similarly to Kybella, you're just targeting that area of the fat and this is you know this is going to be another you know procedure where you're going to have to be the right person for this procedure for some people it's great it's it's perfect but again this is we're talking about underneath the jawline and not the jawline itself but a lot of times that when you're when you improve the neck area or underneath the jaw or underneath the chin you have essentially redefined the jawline in that way because of the fact that now you're you you are seeing the jawline in a much stronger way so it does improve it in that vein and this is this is the reason why I'm going through all this is because these are the common things that people think about when they think of jawline but I'm going to talk you know further in about what the way that I think of jawline and the way that I think that it is best improved. Another procedure that you can do is something called uh, ultrasound technology. The most common uh, technology out there is altherapy. Um, altherapy, also a really interesting technology. Altherapy does give you the advantage of being able to go above and below the jawline, you're actually creating injury, again, that whole idea behind creating an organized injury into the deep layer, and you can get deeper because you're dealing with ultrasound. And it has the advantage of, because it's ultrasound, the waves are going deeper. So the energy that you create with therapy is different than laser. So with laser, the initial energy that's created is energy on the surface of the skin. And so a lot of that energy is lost because you're losing the epidermal layer. Where all therapy, a lot of the energy starts deeper because you start with the ultrasound waves going deeper and then they actually start deep and they radiate, you know, actually towards the surface of the skin. So 
with O-therapy, again, it's a good procedure. Um, it has You have to be the right patient again because, again, you need a certain amount of tautness to be able to get the the um, results that you want. Um, you do get a lift from it. Um, you can lift from the above the jawline as well as below the jawline, which is uh, the other advantage of all therapy because of the fact that when you do the procedure, you're actually doing the ultrasound waves above the jawline and below the jawline. So you do get a lift. Um, and the ultrasound waves do help, you know, in that vein. So there is some, and it's it's not, you know, it's not documented in what they talk about, but there's no doubt that you do lose fat in ultrasound technology like O-therapy um, because a lot of the patients that have had it done, that we've, that we've performed it on, you could tell that there's no doubt that they that with the heat that's created by this the sound waves that they're going to lose fat in in that procedure. So you do get the advantage of losing fat. It does give you a lift, um, but again, it has to be the right patient, and um, you're again going below the jawline in the neck area and above the jawline. Um, which does help, you know, in that area as well. So these are some of the most common ways that you'll hear about kind of working in the lower face around the jawline. And it's mostly um, the neck area, below the neck. Also, another thing I'm going to just mention is PDO threading. Um, threads are a pretty, pretty popular procedure as well. Threads are basically your place. You place the threads in, you know, either the neck area. Again, you could place the threads around the jaw as well, above it or below. Um, the threads do improve by lifting. The issue with the threads that I feel is that, um, you know, you do you definitely get an initial um, lift. My biggest concern with this is that after three months, the threads are dissolved, and they are. There is collagen that does come and regenerate in those areas. Now, the the long lasting ability of threads is, you know, the hard thing to say for sure. For some patients, it works great; it lasts long. For other patients, you know, they have you know, less effectiveness. So it's hard to say because of the fact that the threads will only last for three months and they will dissolve underneath the skin. It's it's a good procedure. Again, you're working around the jawline. You're working in the neck area. You're working above the jaw. Um, you're working from the cheek, usually, to the jawline where you're creating a lift. You can create just an injury to create collagen um, and elastin production around the neck area as well. So these are some of the major kind of ideas that we have right now that kind of affect the production and the help that a lot of patients kind of
go to right now to affect their jawline. But how do you really kind of non-invasively improve your jawline? The jawline itself. And to me, the best and most effective way to improve your jawline is with dermal fillers. And so we're going to go into the first the first um, look into dermal fillers because um, dermal fillers are going to be a, a, a pretty popular topic that we're going to be talking about over, over the series of these podcasts because I think they're a really useful tool overall for the aesthetic procedures and you have to really kind of understand that the dermal fillers are really effective when it comes to, you know, producing the effect that you want. Now, just like I talked about Brotox at the beginning of the series, fillers are definitely another stigma that is created for guys. Um, if you think that it's hard enough to get guys to get Brotox, um, way to bring up the fillers to them. And I'm here to tell you that they're definitely harder to even get them to understand how important they are. But I'm telling you that there is nothing more effective than to create a strong jawline than with fillers themselves. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what fillers are, first of all. So a lot of people think, Fillers and Botox are the same thing. They're not. They're not even close. Like I said, Botox, neurotoxin, dysport, those things are essentially what they cause. What they cause is a neuromodulation of the muscle. They cause a weakening of the muscle that creates effect of muscles of movement. So when certain lines are created by movement, that's what neurotoxin affects only it only affects the lines that are created by movement. It does nothing else. There's really nothing else that it creates. So it's effectively weakening muscle, and that's all it does. But if you do neurotoxin in the right place, you're going to create a, an excellent aesthetic effect because of the fact that you're going to create the the aesthetic effect that you really want because the line, a lot of the lines that we worry about are the lines that are created by movement. Like I always tell my patients, your mom was right. If you keep making that face, it's going to stay like that. And that's actually very true. So the neurotoxin actually is going to improve that by helping those lines that are created by expression. Filler, on the other hand, is a solid project. It's a solid product. It's not a, it's what we call a semi-solid. It's kind of liquid and solid. Um, and depending upon the filler, some of them are more liquid than solid and some of them are more solid than liquid. Um, and it's important to know that because of the fact that not all fillers are the same. Um, most of the fillers that we're going to be talking about are made of the same 
material though there most of the fillers that we use are something called hyaluronic acid hyaluronic acid is found in your joints your eyes it's the cushion it's like protein in in your joints and eyes and and it's the liquid kind of material that kind of cushions the joints and it's also very hydrophilic which means that it takes up water and it's you know it's naturally occurring in your body so most people don't have any many issues as far as like allergic reactions because it's something that naturally occurs in your body so hyaluronic acid is a pretty is is a pretty um you know natural thing as far as something that your body is used to the other thing about hyaluronic acid that is great is that there's an enzyme that is called hyaluronidase now what this enzyme does is that you can take that enzyme and inject that enzyme into hyaluronic acid and it could break it down and so why is that important well that's important because of the fact that if you ever had an issue with where you put the filler or how the filler looks or if you didn't want the filler there then you can inject that hyaluronidase and then you can dissolve it now that is a great improvement to the fillers that we used to have years ago um, when they used to use collagen fillers and fillers that were not able to we were not able to dissolve and there's still fill, some fillers out there that we'll talk about in some other um, podcasts that you you don't are much harder to get rid of that last longer but for now we're going to just talk about the hyaluronic acid fillers i think that you know for safety wise hyaluronic acid fillers are the right way to go uh, because of the fact that you know if god forbid you needed to get rid of that filler for some reason you can you could easily inject it and you can dissolve it because you're create you're putting a you know a semi solid object into the area and if you need to um and it it will it will become more solid as it gets under the skin and and there will be liquid taken up by it and so it will become um thicker and um and so it's important that you that you have something that you can dissolve if you need it to so those are the so those are kind of the important kind of facts about what filler really is and so there's different types of what we use filler for so a lot of times people think of filler is that you have a big hole somewhere and you just fill it right i mean that's sounds like what you know filler would be right you have a hole put a you know put a filler in it and that's it right and so that is actually for some fillers that's actually true um, like for instance if you had some deficiency underneath your eyes um, you could put filler underneath your eyes and you can get um, a better result and so like we do for a lot of patients um, the dark circles underneath your eyes are actually created because of the fact that 
you lose a little fat underneath your eyes. And so when light hits underneath your eyes, you the light is the light that reflects off the skin because the skin is so thin is only seeing that deficiency and and that's the reason why you see the darkness underneath the eyes you're not really seeing the um you're not seeing the you're seeing the reflection of the darkness <clears throat> so once you put a solid object behind the skin, all of a sudden when that light hits it, then the darkness goes away. So filler underneath the eyes is a great tool. If it's done right, it's an amazing, you get an amazing result with that. Um, and it's, and it's really easy. It's nice. So you can definitely do fillers that fill a hole, but there's also fillers that actually help to create new structure. And what I mean by that is that sometimes what happens is that for some reason the skin becomes more lax, the bone structure recedes, meaning like it actually is going to get um, decrease, you know, or get further away from the skin. And so when that happens, you could put filler directly on the bone itself to create a new platform for the skin. And so this type of filler is really effective because of the fact that what it does is it actually is going to work as a new platform for where the skin is going to hold on to. And so that creates a new tautness of that skin. And then all of a sudden, now you have tightness where you didn't have before. And so what do I mean by that? So like, just think about it this way. So let's say you had a trampoline and all of a sudden time went on and like the edges of that trampoline started to get closer together. Um, and then you'd have like the middle of the trampoline would start to kind of sag in the middle, right? Simple idea. If you start pulling that edges further apart because you put a rock or something in, you know, in that area so that way it pulls the trampoline apart, all of a sudden the lining would start to become more taut and tight. And that's essentially what some of the filler actually does. So we're actually, what we're trying to do is we're creating a new platform on the bone itself so that way, when the skin catches hold of it, it's going to either lift or tighten around it. And a lot of times it does both. And if it does that, then it actually affects a lot of different places. And this is exactly what we're going to be talking about when it comes to the jawline. Because this is the way to actually treat the jawline specifically. Everything I talked about up until this point, we were talking about treating around the jawline, right? We were talking about treating the neck, treating above the jaw, and in a lot of ways that, you know, they're effective on helping to give you new definition. But there's nothing more effective than actually treating the jawline and making it more defined. And once you do that, all of a sudden, everything around the jawline is going to become more taut and tight and I and 
you know, we could show you, you know, example after example of once the jawline becomes taut and tight, all of a sudden you have not only that straight angle, angulated jaw that you had when you were younger, but also that neck that was hanging is all of a sudden not hanging anymore because it's now it's pulled up and it's tight and it's taut and everything around the mouth that was those lines that are created all of that is is now all of a sudden you know strengthened as well so um some of the fillers that i'm going to just discuss will give you a couple of um things to look up um the first one is juvederm voluma um, is one of the more common <clears throat> uh, products that we use. Um, I definitely like this product. It helps to kind of tack the angle of the mandible, like the angle. Like so, when you look at your for, go, if you go <clears throat> from your ear down to all the way down to your neck. And then go across, think about that angle that's created. Go across like your jaw. Think about that angle that's created. So the first thing that we'll do to recreate the jawline is that we will inject right at that angle, right at the juncture of the angle. And my goal for guys is to create a new 90-degree angle from going from the ear all the way to the the jawline so 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 that angle cre is created a 90 degree angle for women we create about a 120 degree angle it's a little bit more feminine it looks really nice as well it's really it's really important to um for women as well because like i said the center of gravity for the face is the jawline for both men and women now <clears throat> i'm going to talk about the the overall kind of how faces age differently in men and women. You need to be more of a square. You need to get more of a square for a, a male and more of a triangle for a woman. And I'll explain that more in a future podcast. And that creates a more youthful appearance for both men and women. But for sure, <clears throat> you want to make sure that you get that 90 degree angle from going, taking a ruler from going from your ear down and, and taking that to the jawline all the way down over to the mouth. And so if you don't have that, if you think that it's weaker, then that's the first issue. Now, so these products, Voluma is the first one that's commonly used strong product another one two restylane products restylane lift and restylane contour contour is a little newer product restylane lift mm. also a really nice product that i find um as well that's strong enough to create this angle as well now what these fillers do again when you think about putting filler in, you think, okay, so I'm putting something already on my neck that I think is, or around my jaw that I think is like heavy already. 
Why would I do that? Well, the reality is, is that as soon as you, as soon as you create the jawline, it's an incredible thing that you will notice that you, your face becomes thinner almost immediately. It's a remarkable thing. You know, we, we have a lot of fun when we do the jawlines because what I'll do to patients, because they can't, you can't really see, you can't really see while you're getting it done, like the side of your face, right? So I'll literally like, you know, have my assistant like take pictures while I'm doing it. So like over the, over the treatment, as I do it, each step by step will stop and I'm going to show them like, this is how we started. This is where we are. And you could see how the face actually becomes thinner and thinner every time as I'm injecting. And you would think like, how is that possible? How is it possible that you create a jawline that is actually thinner when you're actually putting a solid object into that space? And the reason is, is because you're recreating the jaw that is now stronger and it's pulling everything up. And so what, what you were seeing the weight was that you were looking at is because of the fact that you were seeing a weak jawline. Um, and so that's, that's the first thing. So, so then the next part of it is you want to create the, the straightness of the jaw. So so with the straightness of the jaw, you need to inject into the jaw itself. And so a lot of times we'll do this with something called a cannula. And this is the first time I'm going to talk a little bit about a cannula. A cannula is not a needle. It's a it's more of a plastic catheter we actually um, use. And we'll use that catheter that go into the jaw itself. Um, we'll inject through the catheter, create the line. And with that, once you've created that line, now everything under the neck starts to lift and you've now created an incredible, like tight jaw. And you should, you should have a 90 degree, you know, a 90 degree angle, a straight jaw, tight neck, and then a thinner face, which is, people are amazed by because of the fact that they are, are wondering how that happened. Now, the jowls. Let's talk a little bit about the jowls because this is really the most interesting part. Now, what are the jowls? So, like, you look at, a lot of patients look at them and they're like, I hate these jowls, I hate this. And so it's like the jowls are that area right next to the chin, right? And it's close to, um, you know, it's a little bit, we say lateral to the chin, so it's a little bit far, you know, a little bit away from the chin and, you know, towards the, you know, towards the back of the, the angle of the, the jaw, but it's, it's, it's relatively close. And so what, what is that? Like what, why do people get that? And the reason is, is because like you chew, right? And so the, the muscle there, so that's, so that is like the, that is the projection of the muscle of mastication, which is the muscle of chewing, right? So the more you chew, the more, and it, it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously if you chew a little bit or a lot, it doesn't matter. You're that, that muscle is going to project stronger than any other muscle. So 
if the jaw starts to become weaker, all of a sudden the one thing that starts to reject is that area, that jowl. And so if you can take the rest of it, the rest of the jaw, and make the rest of it, the rest of the jaw strong, then look like the the equal you know shape of that area and straighten it then you don't see the jowl anymore and there's some great examples of this and you know like i said it's 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 pretty remarkable when you see it so i want you to all do an exam uh do an, um, a little test for me so i want you to look in the mirror and i want you to just take a look in the mirror and you know look at your profile and you're going to take a look and I want you to just take a look at your profile just look at your jaw look above your jaw look below your jaw like just and look at the line that that is created by your jawline like how sharp is your jawline what's above it what's below it I mean what is near your chin and and are some of these things that you see some of the things that bother you um so take a couple minutes and take a look at this and i want you to kind of give yourself a you know a, a few minutes you could turn off the podcast for a minute and take a look and see but um but i hope you I hope you take a look and say, all right. So anyway, so again, the whole point of this is that there are many things that really um, you can do around the lower face. And I think that it's really important because, you know, when people, when people worry about certain things in their face, they think about the fact that it either... They feel like it ages them. They feel like they're they're gaining weight in their face. They feel like they hate their area of the neck. They hate there's something around their mouth. They hate their jowls. They hate something that doesn't look right. The often reason is is because of the jaw. And so, if you can correct that jawline a lot of times many of these issues can be improved and the reality is is that there's not a lot of ways to correct the jaw because think about it this way you know a lot of the procedures that are done either use you know some type of light energy or um you know, like for instance, let's take ultra. Let's take Ultherapy, which is the ultrasound technology. Now, if you ever had an ultrasound wave placed on your jaw bone, you would never forget that because that energy is incredibly painful. So, you know, it's the way honestly to actually treat the jaw a lot of times is you know, the, the kind of the old ways with a lot of technology is to treat above and below. But that didn't get to the root of the problem because we know now that our center of gravity of our face 
is the jawline itself. And so by treating the jawline itself, a lot of our issues start to become improved. And a lot of the things that we worry about all of a sudden become improved. And so you still might have to do things and might have to treat, you know, areas of your neck and might have to treat areas of your chin or around your mouth. And we'll talk about these things as well because everybody's different and everybody has a different way or different, um, you know, different things that have been created over time. But that being said, but a lot of the issues <clears throat> that I see with guys is that they worry about certain things like <clears throat> the turkey neck jowls, extra weight in their face. And a lot of the, the issue is the fact that their jawline is not strong. And then just strength and masculinity does come from their jawline. Now, again, just important, just as important for women, and it has nothing to do with masculinity for women. It's the same thing. <clears throat> when you treat the jawline for women, you're treating it a little bit differently because you're not going, you, the angles are a little bit, the angles are not going to be as sharp, but you're going to create a similar type of effect. And a lot of the issues that are created by not having a strong jawline for women are the same as what I'm talking about with men. I mean, it is like exactly the same. And I mean, the results are phenomenal. And the great thing about filler is that it's immediate result. A lot of the other procedures that we talk about, the results, you know, are going to take some time because of the fact that the body has to kind of affect it. All therapy, radio frequency, these things do take, you know, a couple of weeks and, and, um, you know, so it does take a little bit more time, but with filler, you're going to see the results right away. And like I said, that's why, you know, we sit and take pictures while I'm actually injecting because we, I just love to see my patient's reaction while I'm doing it. Cause it's, 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 it's really fun and cool to see it. So that being said, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Um, I want you to all take a look in the mirror, look at your profile, take a look at your jawline and think about it and think about what are the things that are causing you to be dismayed about something or maybe not dismayed, but either way, I mean, just to kind of take a look and see, does my jawline look the same as it did? back in the day or am I starting to look like glass Joe? So I hope you really guys enjoyed it. Of course, just kidding at the end, but, um, you know, like I said, like, please comment below, you know, like, and share this. Um, you know, we're going to be doing more of these, of course, absolutely. This is the first kind of delving into the filler kind of arena. And there's so much more to talk about because I, I feel like, you know, we have to really kind of get into, you know, an important kind of, you know, important kind of 
arena. So um, I hope you enjoyed it and um, have a good day.